wishing you a warm welcome to the Scriptures of the Spirit, Module 1, Life. In this sacred journey we are taking together, I'm going to be sharing some meaningful parts of my life with you to illustrate the teachings I wish to convey. I hope these examples show you the potential you too have, no matter what your beginning. Elders have so many stories and I do consider myself an elder these days. I'm living the original principles with absolute coherence and in the last 20 years I've gone through a profound and miraculous story, one that saw me enter the world as a victim of abuse and devastation, but leaving the world I will confidently call myself healed, recognising the miracle I am. I have discovered the power of service as a path to healing And although at first there were many other motivations for my giving, now I stand complete, whole and radiant in the spirit I am. I would like to show you how this is possible for you too. What I have learned are the teachings I will share with you. These teachings seem simple, but if you work consciously with them, will be immensely profound. They are like scriptures, a form of personal non-denominational religion. They are a way of living that will inevitably help you find peace, personal healing, meaningful service and a deeper understanding of the purpose of your existence. No matter how dark your beginnings, you are outrageously light. This spirit within you is vast, omnipresent and more luminous than you can ever perceive. Just when you think you know it, it will show you more of its capacity for truth, love, goodness and great beauty. This is the core of you. And so the teachings of this program are not from something external to yourself. They are from your spirit and mine, of which there is no real separation or difference. We are all equally luminous. This journey is one of reconnecting to the within and remembering who we really are rather than obtaining something new. If you've been called to this program, you are ready to be fully activated in remembrance once more. So welcome to the journey to discover your scriptures of the Spirit. I feel it's really important to define the subject matter here. For this journey is about accepting you, finding your way, knowing your beloved self and honouring your unique path to wholeness. Please see the information and ideas I present you with as catalysts. They are meant to shake you awake in your remembering. From your perception and experience with the content, hopefully with gentleness, kindness, humour and hope. That is my intention for your experience with this program. Now, please begin by making an intention for yourself. In a special journal that you keep to record your experiences only for this program, write down your intention for the program. Who are you now? What called you here to begin with? What do you want to gain from the program? And whom do you wish to be at its end? Please take a moment and consider this and record your present understanding before you continue. So why start with a module called Life? Because this is the most fundamental point of it all. My own journey certainly illustrates this as I'm sure you'll come to see in my sharings throughout the modules. Perhaps as I tell you about it, you will relate also. 
When I started my spiritual journey, which I didn't know was actually a spiritual journey at the time, I was absolutely broken. I was at university studying psychology and counselling and was sampling Wicca, convinced I could cast a spell on myself to feel whole, worthy or even okay. I felt absolutely broken. I had no self-esteem, felt worthless, had massively dysfunctional relationships where I would sacrifice myself even though no one asked me to and then hated everyone for stealing what I gave them. I gave all of my life force away. My passive-aggressive tendencies didn't stop there, though. I blamed my family and friends for so much without ever giving them the chance to speak or heal or contribute to my life. I wouldn't accept life in. I felt so alone, and the only way I could express my emotions was through kickboxing, art and vigorous dancing, which I did till the wee hours of the morning most nights of the week. I often sought validation in the attention of others, so starving for love and acknowledgement. I was the very definition of broken. I was disconnected from my spirit, from the life force principle. I was not living at all. After realising that Wicca was actually a philosophy of empowerment, and there was a feminine principle in the universe that loved me, I was drawn to study meditation. I entered the world of spiritual guides and discovered I had a natural ability to communicate for them. I met interstellar light beings from all over the universe and was fascinated by their accuracy and willingness to give information, energy, love and encouragement. I discovered I was a natural shaman and trance medium. I also received a special connection with the angelic kingdom and later realized this was because they were my spiritual family. I found home. I disappeared into the spiritual world, created a service business to be the intermediary between this world and the physical world. I worked tirelessly, sometimes upwards of 80 hours a week, compelled because I was sure I had found the solution to everyone's loneliness, sadness, security issues and problems of any kind. I was convinced I had found the secret to a happy life and I wanted to tell everyone. I impacted the world massively and profoundly and yet for me, Something was still missing. In 2006, I took a few months off work and realised how I had become lifeless and how I had been relying on the praise and validation from my clients. I felt like nothing of any value outside of my service work, not to mention being massively burnt out by it. I was energetically fried and asking the question, was this the purpose of it all? On a vision quest in the central desert of Australia, I found my answer. After three days with no food and no sleep, I realised that this kind of hardcore, hard work spirituality was not the answer. This didn't feel natural. It felt like a harsh, more masculine way of dealing with awareness. Life isn't actually like that, although that's what we've been sold. You don't need to prove anything to be worthy. We don't need to sacrifice our life force or deny our body its most basic needs to be useful. It dawned on me that we didn't need to overwork to prove anything. I also realised that the teachers I had been learning from didn't know the true way to master life. I left the vision quest and had one of the most amazing manifestation experiences ever. I was stuck on my own at a service station in the middle of Outback Australia, in the middle of nowhere. There was no way to get back to civilization. My only option was hitchhiking in a stranger's car. Having never hitchhiked before and feeling like it was a rather scary prospect, 
I thought about what kind of person I could travel the 50 kilometres back to my hotel with that I could feel really safe with. I imagined that a normal, older couple, maybe travelling who lived in my city, would feel very safe. Then I put all my energy behind being open to this event and seven ravens came. This was a signal that my intentions were heard and my medicine was strong. And within 20 minutes, a lovely older couple from a town near mine manifested, picked me up and even carried my bags into the hotel for me. If there is any one experience that showed me how loved and looked after we really are by the life force, when we open to its gestures, it was that one. There are tangible and immediate physical outcomes when we tap in and tune in correctly. Life was showing me its gentleness and love, confirming my new hypothesis that spirituality with profound physical results did not need to be hard work or cause suffering. It was at this point I decided to stop thrashing myself with work and a short time later I moved to a mountain retreat in the middle of nowhere near Coffs Harbour in Australia. This property we lovingly called Shambhala and like its name it really was a place for enlightened ones. It held such incredible womb-like energy. I watched my students emerge profoundly changed from their visits with me there. It was a very powerful place. I stayed there for seven years learning from the ancestral spirits until they told me it was time to move on and share what I'd been shown. This led me to my next initiation, living on the land directly for two years in a teepee. I never imagined I still had so much to learn about life, so many teachings, so much new knowledge and life came to me then. At the same time, I'd been studying with more than 50 incredible elders and medicine people from tribes all over the planet, what the actual purpose of life really was. All I have learned from these amazing sources is what I hope to share with you in this program. I'm sure that you've had a journey to be where you are now. I'm certain that this life principle has been teaching you already. Over the course of my journey, I've come to understand that what drives the great mystery is the life principle. The mystery is actually not that mysterious. There are some basic principles and if we understand these, everything is pretty incredible. Life is and it continues and it is the naturalness of this principle that guides all life to flourish. A seed will always try and grow given the right conditions. You are always being guided to flourish. If you accept this invitation, things flow. Just like in my previous manifestation example, but we are not always in this flow. Instead, we are caught up with shoulds, obligations, things we think we ought to do instead of really living. We often operate against our naturalness and this is where humanity's challenges begin. Most human beings on the planet today have no idea what living really is. I didn't and I used to call myself conscious. I was so asleep. But how could we be awake? No one has shown us anything different. We see from television and movies and marketing what life is supposed to be. Our parents are working so hard they barely have time to guide us. There is no tribe, no elders for most of us. Sadly, humanity is more capable of greatness, wielding great power, and yet more misguided than at any other time in human history. It's time for the global collective to wake up and to remember that life needs to be the primary objective. We are all part of the global collective. To get your head around what I'm going to share here, we'll take a massive perception shift. 
I'm going to ask you to let go of everything you think life is really for. This is not going to be easy. Like everything in this program, I want you to try this thinking on completely. Don't take off this mental outfit before you've worn it for a month to see if you like the feel of it. So here it is. You've been corrupted into a grand delusion about what life really is meant to be. You're part of a massive global hypnosis where life is no longer the primary objective. This is resulting in the death of the planet as well as the inner death of the zombie-like human culture that hates its daily robotic puppet-like existence. It's time to step out of this story. You need to do this not only for yourself but for the world, especially if you're of service and guiding others. The old ones say that we are the ones we've been waiting for. No one else is capable of fixing the world's problems except you and me and all of the others here right now. We are the ones. Now is the time. And this is why consciousness is accelerating so much and the world seems so much more intense. Universal consciousness demands this change here now. What does making life the primary objective really mean? Simply, it means putting life first. Let's look at how this far-reaching concept affects the world to illustrate the meaning further. Imagine if people put the planet's life first. We couldn't have things that damage the planet in existence any longer. Life would become more important than wealth or power. Humanity would in fact have a future because the planet wouldn't be in such a dire state. How do you put the planet's existence first in your daily life? If life was the primary objective, war couldn't be, for it's anti-life. Instead, disagreements would have to be worked out without killing or harming. This would force people to become more open-minded and accepting of the uniqueness of others' viewpoints. It would create diversity on a massive scale, just like Mother Earth does. Do you create war with anyone? Even yourself? There's a lot we can learn from Mother Earth. She's a great example of what happens when life becomes the primary objective. The life force pulsing within her and through her does not allow for wasted energy. Species that are no longer efficient die off, and life that thrives survives. Life reshapes itself, never seeing a disaster as the end. Although one species may become extinct, another will flourish because of this. The life principle with Mother Earth is profoundly informative. We can witness all we ever need to understand by watching our Great Mother very closely to see how she approaches things and fosters life. Do you allow change in your life so it can continually renew? Dogma in any form will only help you to remain stuck. Here's how to grow in week one. Please take some time in week one to simply look around at life. Take a good view of the world. Do you see people thriving? Are they leaping out of bed to go to work each day and feeling ecstatic while they are there? Look at your colleagues if you work with others or people you come into contact with. Do they seem radiant and effervescent and filled with life force? If not, why are they there, do you think? If you are close enough and it's appropriate to do so, ask them what motivates their choice to stay in the job. Also, observe the news. Look at the world. Is it thriving and making life the primary objective? 
look at the way countries interact. There are some great examples right now. If you're doing this class in October 2017, I'm referring, of course, to the conflicts with Korea and America at the moment. Are these situations and people making life the primary objective? You'll probably conclude that threatening each other with nuclear war does not do this. What would happen between these two countries if they did make life the primary objective? Observe also some of the main environment issues of the moment. Perhaps you might choose to look at global warming, fracking, poisoned river systems, polluted crops, genetic modification and its long-term impacts. With any of these major issues facing the world right now, can you see how they are all caused because life is not the primary objective? Now look at some of the activists in the world, perhaps the most successful ones you can find. In Australia, we have a wonderful organisation called Animals Australia. They're a great example. Notice how they are making life the primary objective. It is, in fact, the organisation's sole focus. And notice how they are really flourishing. The life principle is profound and impactful. Things that do not support it will die off. They will struggle and try and stay in control and fight for their lives, but eventually they will use up the last of their energy that is not replenishing and die off. What is happening in the world right now in America and with Korea is a great example of this struggle. It is the moment before a new and better species of global citizen emerges. We're witnessing the struggle of the old species as it is dying off. It's trying to cling to power in a very crude way. Regardless of your political views, you may see what I'm talking about with Donald Trump. He represents some outdated ways of thinking, as does Kim Jong-un. While most of the rest of the world is trying to care for the planet, look after each other and foster peace, these two outdated thinkers are trying to blow everything to bits without thought for anything environmental or the devastation to life they could cause. They are struggling so hard to maintain power, outdated and about to go extinct. Like species going extinct, we sometimes cling on to the same old energies in our lives. We desperately don't want to change. We feel safe in the old structures and we can become immovable. Imagine if you tied an animal's leg up in such a way they could not grow. This is what we do to ourselves. Regardless of how life is inviting us to change, we sometimes resist to the point of restricting all the life from growing us. Have you ever felt what I'm talking about? So restricted by your own life, it feels like you're choking. You go about your business, miserable in doing so, feeling like the path you're walking is more like sleeping. You're a drone hovering above your own life, but not energized by it. You feel moved as if by some force that is constricting you. This force is usually your mind terrified of change, and it feeds you massive fear. It compels you to stay in the circumstances you find yourself in, even though you are choking. You're endlessly stuck in a loop of what-ifs, wishing you could be somewhere else, be someone else, yet you are stuck, unable to move. Does this feel like life? Absolutely not. In those moments, we are not making life the primary objective. We are in fact making fear the primary objective. Have you ever had a moment of time like this? Think about it. Take a few moments and consider what kind of fear was driving you. Imagine what this kind of energy does on a global level. It is true that right now we have everything we need to fix the planet. We have the technology, information and skills, yet why don't we? 
because those in power fear change. After all, it might make them lose power. If money became obsolete tomorrow, think of the chaos that would bring. Who would own your home if we didn't have rights to anything and shared everything? Money makes us individualised. It separates us from each other. In our society, it drives so much. It is the root of everything. We've come to rely on it as a system for energy exchange, but it has grown into way more than that. It has become a life constrictor. I think you might agree that in some ways it is not very good for us. It has more power now than it was ever supposed to. It has created the robotic culture we are accustomed to. It is the puppet master for most human beings. The desire for money and all the things we've been marketed to believe it will bring us is the major source of unhappiness in the world. It is why so many get into debt to be further restrained just for a new shiny object or a glimmer of hope that we might obtain what is already available to us, life. But what would a world look like where life, not money, was the primary objective? If you didn't need to earn a living, what would you do every day? How would you choose to live? If you didn't need any stuff nor had any reason to acquire anything, what would you spend your day doing? Might you be having experiences of some kind? Consider that deeply. What would you do? And here's a hint. This is the cure to the endless what-ifs. So sit with that question if you're suffering from what-ifs. Sometimes we need to take a deep look at that question. When I was working all those hours every week, I genuinely thought I was doing good and this sustained me for a little while, but in the end my heart wanted to be in nature and living in Sydney was not allowing me to do this. When I moved, I earned more living in nature than I ever did in the city, but the fear of how I could pay the mortgage and bills was for me, like so many others, a driver to stop me from changing. When I embraced the call of life, it made me flourish so easily. Now I love what I do. I do only as much as I want and I get to live in the most magical place imaginable, surrounded by nature so rich it feeds my soul. I'm more abundant than I ever dreamed of. Have you got a calling to be somewhere else? Be doing something else? Are you presently living this dream? If there were no restrictions or limitations, what would you be doing? When I ask that question, sometimes people quit their jobs the next day. Please don't do that right now. <laughs> like all things in nature, you need to wait until the climate's right. You can't plant a winter fruit in the summer and expect it to grow just because you have the idea today. When you change your openness, you need to wait until the opportunity presents itself before taking the leap. Life is always presenting you with information to help you stay in the life flow. You just need to pose the question, could I? And then have the moment of willingness to take the opportunities when they come. Pay attention to when fear stops you or makes you wary. In those moments, weigh up the risk. Could you handle it if it all went badly? Would the risk be something you could live through? If so, take the opportunity. Signs come to guide us and are usually followed up by more signs to compound the intention. Pay attention and you will be led gracefully into your future joy. Most of the time, if we've gotten to the place where we're feeling especially disconnected from the life principle, we're unable to move and even when we do see those signs, we get very bogged into a way of being and it can feel scary to move out of it. 
Jim Carrey's role in the movie Yes Man is a great example of this. Do watch it if you haven't seen it for a while. Like the movie, sometimes we have to start with something little, like saying yes, where we would normally say no. This simple gesture can be enough to get the life flow guiding us and our lives once more. No one is ever too stuck to start saying yes to life. Here's how you grow in week two. Notice where you do not invite life in and how you stop it. Are you living congruent with the life principle presently? Do you enjoy what you do? Does it make you feel enriched and full? Do you leap out of bed ecstatic about your contribution to the world each day? How could you do better for the life of the environment? Does your living utilise non-sustainable resources? An example might be if you replace the air you breathe by growing trees that renew more oxygen than you use. You might donate money to charities that are researching and supporting the environment. Maybe you could choose to be part of a scientific think tank to better the planet's health. What do you do for the planet other than consume resources? How do you give back an equal value for all that you receive? If you have a service business, do you make life the primary objective? If not, how could you? Companies that are not directly contributing to the life principle can make charitable donations. They can form help groups or lend resources. You can also run a business that does not destroy life. Are you part of a job, company, pursuit that makes life the primary objective? If not, how could you change this? Can you think of suggestions for your boss to contribute to the primary objective? How do you presently make fear your primary objective? Are there ways you stifle your own life force? Do you shut down your own life flow? Do you celebrate life and follow its guidance in every way? Do you resist life's call in any way? Do you ever buy something and have buyer's remorse afterwards? What in life were you lacking at the time of that purchase? Notice your motivations when something pulls you out of making life the primary objective. What drivers cause you to waste your precious resources to fill what needs? Figure out the answer to this question and you will live an indescribably fulfilled life. In order to flourish, we also need to think about life beyond this moment. Imagine the impact of your decisions on the next seven generations. Let's say you want to cut down a tree or at a larger scale mow down the Amazon rainforest to build cities. That may seem like a really good idea now and surely you have lots of motivation for doing this. Maybe it could let light in where the tree once was or create commerce instead of air. And these things may seem valuable now. But what happens to the generations of children's to come? Life is eternal. We cannot continue to consider only how our life will impact ourselves. We must look at our long-term impact. Have you ever thought about a decision you made and how it might affect the next generation or the ones after? Think back to a recent decision you made and try it. How could that decision affect the next seven generations? Notice what happens to your thinking when you apply this way of considering. You can become responsible for life. You become careful with it. You choose to be respectful of it. Like the ancient ones say we must, you build relations with it. 
If you deeply care for life, you cannot abuse it, waste it or lose it. This concept is not only valuable in terms of leaving important resources for the life of future generations, but it can also provide purpose. You cannot possibly achieve all the good you wish to see in the world in your lifetime. What are you going to leave behind to make your matter matter? How are you going to justify your existence? The life principle gave you this wonderful planet to be upon, this body you inhabit with everything you need to live all around you. How are you going to repay this life force? When you figure out the answer, life will help you birth it into the world. If life is the primary objective, we must leave behind more than we take. Consider the consequences of this over generations. Can you see that the reverse has happened in the last 200 years especially? If you're a parent, consider what this means for your children. Do you want to leave them in a world that is a nuclear wasteland with zero resources or one with forests so lush and vast that their needs will always be met? The answer is obvious, of course. If we want to align ourselves with this life force principle, we need to let go of what chokes the life out of us. I had an interesting revelation around this that I've since seen many awakened students have also. Perhaps you can relate. Stuff, things, the material guff we think we must have. Well, it's the number one reason for choking. We work hard to buy the stuff. We have the stuff sit in our homes, which we make chock-a-block full of stuff to the point where we feel overwhelmed because we spend our lives moving, cleaning and storing stuff. But the stuff still isn't making us feel better. We usually buy the stuff to try and fill the void we feel when we are living separate from the life principle. But stuff doesn't fill the void. It never will. So stop buying it. You're wasting Mother Earth's precious resources and perpetuating a cycle of lack for the entire planet. Why support the global marketing machine that tries to enslave you into debt and lack? Instead, you could buy what is only truly nourishing for your life force. You could buy only what you must have so as not to disrespect the gift of life the planet gives you. Think about whether you have res wasted resources in this way. How to grow during week three. The truth is, the simpler your life, the more full you will feel. When you make space, you have room for life to come in. It fills places only where there is space. Stuff can be physical things. How many crystals, statues, pictures, shoes, cups, sheets, cushions, etc. do you really need? Do you have more than you really need of these things or others? It can also be thoughts. We often fill our mind with so many thoughts we cannot remember how to breathe, let alone see where we truly are. A great practice is to set an amount of time per day where you do not think. Daily meditation can be a great way of emptying ourselves of thought. And notice the way I'm saying that, it's not no mind, it's a process of emptying. Thank your mind and let it empty out the irrelevant in your meditation. Don't think you should have no mind and berate yourself when you don't because that creates more mental stuff in there. What's your practice of emptying thoughts? You don't have a practice, create one. Our thoughts and things are some stuff that clogs our life force, but we also use time to bog us up. If you take no time or make no time, then you are stifling life. If you are so arrogant to be unappreciative for the life you have been given, and you don't take time 
you will die. In essence, this is where all sickness comes from. Not accepting the life force into you, spending more than you have. Do you take time? Do you enjoy time? Do you live? Or is your day filled with endless to-dos and exhaustion? Are you waiting to be able to enjoy life at some other time? How could you fully enjoy it now? We must bring ourselves into great relationship with the life force principle. We do this by taking time, making time, enjoying time. We may need to let go of what we should be doing, hello again, fear, and be with what honours the life in us most. How much time do you take for the life force principle to dance joyously through your cells and into the world? We must get rid of all stuff. As mentioned, I've just spent two years living in a teepee on a mountain with only a suitcase of possessions, and I can tell you it was the most liberating way to live. The less you have, the happier you are. What can you give away? What can you liberate yourself from? By making room, we let life in. Next, we have to watch how life wants to move us. It'll show up in signs. You'll be invited places. Go. You'll be given opportunities. Take them. If something makes you feel energized, do it. If something does not make you feel energized, delegate it to someone who does feel energized by it. Or in the case of things you must do, like perhaps earn money, do it by doing something you love. If your work makes life the primary objective, it will flourish. You'll be more abundant than you ever dreamed of and it will feel easy, nourishing and uplifting. If you don't feel invigorated every day, you are not making life the primary objective. Consider how. If everyone changed to do what they love and what honours the life inside of them, consider what the world would be like. No one would be talking about dropping bombs on each other, that is for sure. Really consider this world and how it could be if we were all at peace, happy, content and fulfilled. If you move beyond fear, what would actually nourish you? When you hear the words, invite life in, how could you? Where do you feel dead in your life right now? Has your inner robot gotten bored with something yet? What about your inner puppet? If you cut the strings, where would you make changes? You are, after all, the puppet master, not your inner fear, so you can do this at any time. The ideas I have presented here are more far-reaching than you can imagine. Making life the primary objective is a spiritual practice. And it's very easy to be drawn out of this practice by the mass psychosis most people call life. In order to stay centered in this, you need a spiritual practice to remind you. Some of my spiritual practices are to take a moment to burn some eucalyptus leaves every day to thank the Earth Mother for this beautiful planet and my life, to clear all that is non-life. Before I eat anything, I also take a moment to give thanks for all the life that went into my food's creation. I don't do what I don't feel like doing, whether this is work, home or socially. My house is a mess for another day, so be it. All of my friends and I don't make plans, we wait until the moment catches us and then we connect. When we feel inspired in that moment, there are no shoulds in my world. Of course, as you know, I work doing something I really love. And I know it has value that will affect the next generations. I'm also currently a student of my beautiful, beautiful new son who is teaching me even more about life. 
Considering yourself a student of life is a practice in itself because it allows you to look for opportunities to further embrace life, to find ways that inspire you. How are you embracing life at the moment? How is your existence the manifestation of a study of life? And I must give you a warning, waking up to the mass delusion of the majority of the world about what life is not can be quite confronting. It may cause you to change your life. You may have to face your own agendas and see what validations, expectations or self-worth you're seeking by staying in your current death walk. You may have to own up to the fact that you care about what people think of your home and that's the real reason you tidy it rather than feeling genuinely excited about the cleaning process. Of course, for others, cleaning is a way of energetic, energetically preparing your space for more life to enter. We are all different and that's the beauty of it. We are meant to be as diverse as the life in a rainforest. None of us are the same. We must not seek to be the same. We must only seek to find our own unique way. What is yours? How can you cultivate life in your experience? What hinders you from allowing yourself to choose life? What excuses do you make? And what's underlying those excuses? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it longing for connection and acceptance? Consider what blocks life force from entering your entire being. In order to make life the primary objective, we must honestly evaluate ourselves and our motivations. What stops us from choosing life? When we know our motivations, we can meet them like old friends. We may hear their opinions in our thoughts, but we can always choose a different path. It's time to choose your mental friends and agendas according to which ones serve the life principle. Are you ready to develop an astounding and radically energized connection with life? There has never been a better time. I've given you lots of things to think about. Remember that you will gain as much from this program as you put in. Consider the concepts here. Really let them speak to your truth. Find the meaning that is yours. Allow in what feels life-giving and let go of all else. This program is about discovering your truth and knowing. I'm here to help you bring it more fully into being. So hopefully we've pressed some growth buttons so far. You can maximize your benefit from this module by rereading the content once a week. See what emerges each time you read it. As your consciousness opens to the ideas, different concepts will stand out to you. Your life will also present you with opportunities to master the concepts in this program. Work with the concepts that stand out to you. Savour them until they are digested in a way that nourishes you. Alternatively, you may also like to focus on the three parts and their questions and intensely study this part of the module for a week. See what feels more appropriate for you. Answer all of the questions I've asked in the module in your journal. This module is supposed to take you at least three hours to complete, so take time and really consider what is meaningful for you. Especially focus on where you do not allow life to be the primary objective. What are your shoulds? What depletes you in your life? Could you make different choices to allow life to become the primary objective? If you have time, please also download and watch a movie called The Green Beautiful. It's subtitled. At the time I wrote this module, you could find it on YouTube for free. It's a great look at life without the marketing and mass psychosis of the world telling you how things should be. And it's another really interesting way of viewing life. So enjoy that. 
If you're a student who's also of service or wants to be of service in some way in the future, please also begin reading a book called Sacred Commerce by Matthew and Tercy's Engelhart. In particular, look at the concepts of sustainability and service and consider how this relates to making life the primary objective. You should aim to complete this book before beginning module three. And I'll try and make a book recommendation only about every second module, so you've got plenty of time to read them. What questions does this module's teaching bring up for you? If you're a gold or silver stream student doing the class with me starting in October 2017, write down those questions and then submit your feedback between the 14th and 18th by 5pm of next month. I want you to wait until the end of the module's allocated time to let your own consciousness digest the information and see what else it presents for you. So trust the life force principle and notice what answers come to you from the world around you. Your feedback is for questions you have about the module content, how you're understanding it and implementing it in your life. I'll answer this feedback by 5pm on the 21st of the following month after a module and release an audio that you can download. Please ensure you have your feedback in by 5pm on the 18th to stay in these streams. If you're a gold stream student, we'll also have more time to discuss your deeper processes in your soul coaching session, which should be scheduled for the week between the 14th and the 21st of next month. So if you're looking at October, November 14th to 21st is your first scheduled session for soul coaching. If you're a silver or bronze stream student or are completing this class after the start time of October 2017, you can also book in a separate soul coaching if you need further assistance with the module content and how to apply it. And there's a link in the PDF version of this audio so that you can find the direct link to book yours if you'd like to. Remember that life is your birthright. It's time to embrace it. Make life the primary objective.